The month of Adar, which is the name of the last month on the Hebrew calendar, which is uh, uh, um, usually March, that is the last month on the calendar. This is when God is preparing your soil, your life, and your future for that springtime planting and that harvest that God is going to bring in for the whole rest of the year. The Bible goes by a calendar of the moon. The world goes by a calendar of the sun. And so because of that, the events of the Bible don't match our calendar every year. So in order to make that happen, because we are a Christian world, when this time comes, you are pregnant with a bumper crop. Every year, he's the Lord of the harvest. Every year, he's the God of blessing. Every day, he's the God of healing. But at this time, you are pregnant with an abundance of God's blessing. You're a pregnant. It's ready to birth in you. In that month of Adar is when you're preparing the fields for the harvest. So they go into the fields. They remove the rocks. They till the soil. They get rid of all the weeds that grew up. Everything God does, he does in the physical as well as the spiritual. So in the month of Adar, the Bible teaches us this is when the temple is complete. This is when the divine power of God comes to earth. In the month of Adar, God comes into your life and he removes every enemy and every obstacle that is trying to choke out the harvest that God has for you in the coming year every one of them. Not only will he remove the rocks and the weeds, but he'll remove every enemy. Now listen to this. That's even delaying his blessing. Somebody say now, now Now. I'm telling you, this is a now moment. It is also the time of Purim, the book of Esther. Esther is the only book in the Bible that does not mention the name of God. Why? Because even though you don't feel God, you don't hear God, you don't sense God, God right now is moving behind the scene. You don't have to feel it. You don't have to hear it. You don't have to smell it. You don't have to sense it. But you can be absolutely sure that right now, God is ready to turn your story upside down. Somebody shout now. Now, you've got to understand, this is not, you know, I can teach faith any, and I will, I'll teach faith any day of the week. But this is a now moment. So we not only have Adar, we have Purim, we have Easter, the resurrection, where Jesus said it's finished, rose again from the grave. And then a month later, we have uh, Passover, which God said, when I see the blood, I will stand in front of your house and I will make every enemy of death pass over your family. God will go across the face of the earth and he will find people who have grabbed this window and he will make them the people of miracles. Now, that means that not only will God do miracles for you, but he will use you. God will do miracles through you, 
And the anointing is no longer and never should have been, but it won't be limited to a few, but the masses are going to become people of miracles, the shards of light that will prepare the world for the coming of the Messiah. If you're ready now, give the Lord a clap offering and shout now. Now turn with me to the book of Malachi, and I want to show you something else that goes hand in hand with this. Now look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Now, once you realize what he's saying, first off, this is, yes, this is a scripture. Look at me one second, because people say, well, pastor, how can that be? How many understand that God can use a message prophetically for the first church, but it be a more prophetic message for the last church? See, it's not either or. Can I give you a real easy example? On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell, and they said, what is this? And Peter said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit. Signs and wonders, miracles, prophets, prophecies. We know that happened in the first church. But we also understand by the word of God that that will be multiplied Compared to what we saw in the first church, that will be multiplied in the second church because that's what brought, that's what amplified the first coming. What will amplify the second coming is that God will have an entire bride that is a glorious bride manifesting every one of the promises of God. And that bride will be without any spot No disease, no sickness, without any wrinkles, no debt, no poverty. So even though it happened in the first church, it will be multiplied on you and I, the last church. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So Malachi, yes, it is something that talks about the first church. But in reality, if you study this, this is a prophecy of unbelievable blessing on the second church. Because Malachi 3, 1 says, behold, I send my messenger, and I believe that messenger is me. I believe that messenger is pastors that are watching right now. I believe that messenger is you who will prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. People say, well, wasn't that John the Baptist? Well, yes, John did that, but one will send a thousand fleeing, two will send 10,000, how many will 15,000 in England send? But when John was teaching this, he did prepare the way of the Lord, without a doubt. But when Jesus came the first time, it was not a sudden coming. When Jesus came the first time, he was circumcised on the eighth day of his birth. He was bar mitzvahed on the 13th year. That's why his parents came to the temple. Remember they left and they were two days out and realized Jesus was missing? Had to go back and he's in there ministering to the priest. That was far as bar mitzvah. We know that Jesus did Passover. We know he ministered three and a half years. We know he died on the, on the cross on, on Thursday and rose again on Sunday. We all know this. So that's not a sudden coming. This prophecy about a cancellation of debt and an outpouring of God's blessing where there won't be any more room to receive it.
God says, say God says. God said, I want you so blessed, there will not be any more room. I want you so blessed, there will be no more room for any more blessing. No, that, that means no, no bills. If, you got, if I got a bill, I got more room. That means you'll be driving the cars that you want, living in the houses that you want, going on vacations that you want, sending your kids to the college that you want, building the churches that we want. We got no... Say, can that happen? It happened in the Bible days. No more room. Amen? Okay, now let's get into this. How's this going to happen for us? Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Now, I want you to understand what he's talking about. He is talking, yes, he's talking to the people before the first coming, but he is talking to the church. He's talking to you and I right now. And he says, for I am the Lord and I do not change. And because I don't change, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Now, look at me a second. What is God saying? He said, even though you've gone astray, And we are the children of Jacob because we have been adopted. We have been grafted in. That's what Paul said in Romans 10 to 11. Don't get puffed up. You don't support them. They support us. Amen. And we've gone astray. We, from the way we were as the first church, we have gone astray from the teachings of the first church. And he said, but because I don't change. Now, what does this mean? This is a wonderful teaching. God says it to the Jewish people, and he says it to you and I. He said, because I made a covenant with you, even though you blow it, I'm not going to forsake you. I don't know about you, but if you, if you put on lipstick, you're going to hell. If you watch the movie, you're going to hell. I mean, it's like they look for reasons to send us to hell. Were you, were, you, were you anybody else raising that kind of thing? God says, number one, ladies, wear makeup. Please wear makeup. Now, I got, I got to tell you something. Every Sunday before I go on television, I, they put on makeup on me. Now, it took me a while to get used to that. I am a man. But they say, Pastor, you look better with makeup. Now, now they're talking about bondo. I don't know what, what, what that means. The ladies are going bondo. It's, it's putty you put in to cover all the dents on your car. But I'm telling you, the church was, is looking for ways to send you to hell. That's not the God that we serve. That is, say amen with me. The God that we serve, he is running to and fro, looking for someone... He can be strong in the, let, let me, let me just help you here. All right. All right. God's going to send these people to hell. All right. What is it that you're going to do? Or not you, of course, somebody else that's going to go to hell. What is it that they're going to do to send them to hell? If, if you, if you look at some people, it's going to be, well, they put makeup on or they're going to hell. That's not what it says. Well, they smoked a cigarette. Well, y'all not smoke. It's not good for you. But it's not good to eat Big Macs every day either. 
But there's not a scripture in the Bible that says if you smoke, you're going to go to hell. The Bible says, well, your body's the temple of the Lord. Now listen, don't go. Somebody said to somebody in the church, oh, you go out in church where pastor lets everybody smoke. No, you ought not smoke. It's not good for you. You ought not eat Big Macs. You know, I keep praying that I lose weight. But sometimes you got to add driving past the, you know, it's not even a Big Mac anymore. Do you want this supersized, colossal size, or wearing saddlebag size? America. Oh, yeah, Bass, if they, if they smoke, they're going to go to hell. Well, what, what about gossipers? Because if gossipers are going to go to hell, we're all in trouble. Look what he says here. For I'm the Lord and I do not change. Therefore, you're not consumed, O sons of Jacob. What does that mean? He's saying, even though you're blowing it, I made a covenant with you to love you. But he loves us so much, he doesn't want us just getting by. He wants to bless us. Now, let me help you here. You've got to understand, the whole reason we're here on earth is because God wanted to hang out with us. He wanted to fellowship with us the whole reason we're here is because God loves us. He is not this big, mean ogre waiting. Let me, can I tell you something? You know why preachers preach on hell all the time? You know what a cult does? You know how a cult controls people? Fear and poverty. If we can keep you poor and we keep you afraid, we can control you. God hasn't come to control us. He's come to give us a free will that through that free will, we can walk with him. And when we walk with him, we walk under that Shekinah glory of all of his blessing. Amen. All right. Now look at this. Because I don't change. Say he doesn't change. I I wasn't even going to teach on this. It's just on me. Somebody Somebody needs to hear this. If we have a better covenant... The first time the Lord was writing this, he was saying this to people who sacrificed a yearly lamb. God is saying this to you and I who have the lamb. One time. And that one time lamb, because that his mercies are fresh every morning. Somebody say amen. Okay. Because I've made a covenant with you, I've not consumed you. Now look what he says here. But yet, from the days of your fathers, you've gone away from my teachings. Now now look at me. The Torah, the law, the ordinance, the teachings of God are not. Everybody say not. not. They are not legalism. They're not legalism. Now I'll be honest with you. I used to preach that if you don't tithe... You're probably not saved. And that is a false teaching. Preachers, you know, I, I'll just say me. I'd say, one, we're saved by grace, not by works. But then I'd turn around and say, if you're smoking, you're going to hell. Well, I thought we were saved by grace. 
Now, either we're saved by grace or we're not saved by grace. Now, once we're saved, there are some things we ought to do and not do, not to earn our salvation, but to enter into the blessing of God. I believe if you're a gossiper, you're still saved. But if you gossip, you, everything you say is released back into your family. In Hebrew, it's called Lishon Hara, the evil speech, or the creator of evil cities. And, and that's, what, that's what it means. It said, be not deceived, God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, and we know that means finance up, but it also means if you sow words of gossip about somebody, those words always come back into your life. So you're still saved. God still loves you. But you're destroying what Jesus paid for by his blood. It has nothing to do about going to heaven, but it has everything to do about getting heaven down to us. Are are you okay so far? Okay. You've gone away from my ordinance. The word law, the word law, Torah, in Greek means legalism. You got to do this. You got to do that. You don't got to do nothing. You don't have to do a thing to get to heaven except receive Jesus Christ as Savior. But if you want the windows of heaven open, you do have to tithe. If you want to break the curse, you do have to stop gossiping. If you want God to inhabit your life, you do have to praise him. Are you seeing this? That's not legalism. Well, I don't want to praise him. Well, then don't. Be miserable. Amen? The word, the word law in Greek means you've got to do this. But the word law in Hebrew, Torah, means a path. Now, I, let's say there's a fire in this building. And we're all running for the door. Isn't it good that we got aisles? If we're trying to get out the door, I, if, I, if I couldn't see, I could run into the wall, run into there, and maybe eventually get out. But isn't it good that I can see and get right on the path? I was reading, I was reading a rabbi the other day, and he said, it's great. He said, the, 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 the Torah is not only a path, it's a map. It's a map to all God's treasures. How many want to have more money? Tithe. It's a map. How many want to have more joy? Don't gossip. Amen? As a matter of fact, don't, don't let anybody sell you gossip. You know, if, if some guy came to your house and he had a bag of dope, you going to let him in? The police break down that door. They're not only arresting him. If somebody comes to sell you gossip, don't buy it had nothing to do with salvation. Our salvation is paid for, but it has to do with we've left the teachings of God. All right, now watch this. You've gone away from my ordinance, my teachings, and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you. Now watch this. This is so wonderful. But you say, in what way shall we return? He says, will a man rob God, yet you rob me in tithes and offerings? Now look at me. The word offering, when it talks about first fruits, 
The Bible says in uh, Deuteronomy, three times a year we are come before the Lord and not come empty-handed. Not come empty-handed. Three times a year we bring him a first fruit offering and the first first fruit offering is called in Hebrew the Koban Omer, which means the returning unto God with a measure. So when he says here, you've gone away from my ordinances, return unto me. He's saying, bring that Koban, that return, un- drawing near unto God. So three times a year, God says, when you come back to this and you understand this and you return unto me the way I taught you, it has nothing to do with getting to heaven, but it has everything to do with getting the windows of heaven opened over you. And he says, and when you return unto me, I will return unto you and I will open those windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that there won't be room enough to receive it. And then he says, but that's not enough. If you read it, it says, but that will not be enough. If you look at certain those those words, they're italicized. And when they're italicized, it means man put them in there to try to explain. So God says, return unto me the offering of barley, the offering of... Uh, uh, Koban Omer, the measure of barley that draws you back to me and all my goodness, and I will return unto you. And he said, I'll open you the windows of heaven. But then he says, but that's not enough. It's not enough that God blesses you, but he has to bless you in a way that he rebukes the devourer so that spirit will not steal your blessing anymore. Somebody shout amen. All right, now listen. When Israel came out of Egypt, they came out of Egypt by the grace of God. As they came out, God said, bring me, this is where the first fruit started. Bring me that first fruit. They're coming out of Egypt. They're coming out of winter into spring. When the plagues hit Egypt, the first thing that happened was is that the plagues came in and wiped out all of the crops. It wiped out all of the winter crop, which was barley, for all of Egypt except the city of Goshen where the children of God lived. So he said, once a year, I want you to bring me an offering because I'm the one who spared you when everybody else was getting wiped out. And he said, I want you to do it for three, four reasons. Number one, he said, to remember that you're saved by grace. Remember you're saved by grace. See, I don't know about you, but when I came to heaven, when I, excuse me, when I came to Jesus and I came down to that altar, God wasn't up in heaven going, oh, finally, I have the cream of the crop. This is it. I've been waiting for it. This could be the fourth person of the Trinity. Now, maybe you think that's the way God saw you. 
But God didn't see me that way. I came to church stoned. I had federal warrants out for my arrest. I didn't know anything about God. I was a dope seller, dope grower, dope doer. I was a thief and a liar. Now, I know, I know, I know most of you, when you walked in, angels hovered you over the ground. I, I know that that's your case. But in me, I was saved by grace. And I know we've all heard this. When I found Jesus, in my case, Jesus wasn't the lost one. I was. I was looking for God. I was looking for God in transcendental meditation. I was looking for God in dope. I actually thought if I did enough cocaine that I would walk out of this life into an eternal life. And that was true. It just wasn't what I was thinking. I didn't come to church. This this desire to become a preacher. I didn't come to church with a desire to become a holy man. I came to church to get some young Mexican guy by the name of Bill Trujillo off of my back because he kept knocking on my door while I was doing dope deals and blowing the dope deals. When Israel came out of Egypt, they didn't come out as high priests and Levites and, and, and men and women of God, for 400 years, they've been living like the Egyptians, worshiping multiple gods, doing all those things that, that sinners do. And so when God came and brought them out of the land of Egypt on the journey to the promised land, he said, every year, I want you to bring me a barley offering to remember the grace of God that I gave in your life. In Judaism, there are two sins that are the worst sins in all of God's mind. And they're equal with each other. The first one is how we treat other people. How we treat other people shows whether or not we know God or we don't know God. The second one is equal to that one is taking God for granted. The worst thing we can do is treat our brothers and sisters bad. You know what? There may be other, there may be people who are sinners. Jesus loves sinners. Remember when he was down hanging out with people like you and me? Huh? Come on. Now you may not have been in your, I didn't do dope. Maybe you didn't get it from the dope dealer. You just got it from a prescription. Maybe you didn't carry a gun, but you murdered people with your tongue. In the same building, you lifted up your hands and worshiped God. Somebody shout grace. Grace. See, the worst thing we can do is how we treat people, but how to take God for granted. That's why David said, Lord, remind me of the pit from which I was dug. He didn't need that, that reminder when he's tending the sheep. Shoveling sheep poop. Don't look at me like that. That's what he was doing. You ever have animals? You got to clean that stall. Say amen. You ain't cleaning it from with diamonds. 
When we're down in the, when we're down and out, when their jail cell closes or that divorce paper comes or that evil report from the doctor or we get laid off on our job, oh, God, save me, save me, God, save me. We're not deserving it, but there's something in us. God put it in there that when we're at our lowest and we don't even know who God is, there's something in us that says, God, help me, because he is running to and fro looking for somebody. He can be strong. That's not because I deserve it. It's because of his loving grace. That's why David said, now that I'm not in the fields anymore, and now that I'm on the throne, now that my bills are paid, now that my marriage is okay, now that the police aren't after me, now that I'm not doing drugs anymore, now that I'm starting to make money, Lord, remind me. So once a year, we bring him an offering to say, God, don't ever let me forget the grace in which got me here. Because it's grace that got us here, and it's grace that's going to get us to the next level. Somebody ought to shout out grace. So the first thing he says is, bring me a barley offering, because I I brought you out of Egypt, not because I love you more than I love the Egyptians. It's because I gave you my word, and you finally cried out. See, that's the love of God. When I was down in that mountaintop ranch in Columbia, South America, and I'd stuck that needle in my arm for the sixth time in in, in an hour and doubled it and doubled it, and I fell down, and I began to choke on my own vomit, and I said, God, don't let me die until... It wasn't because he said, oh, man, what a jewel I got here. Matter of fact, my Bible says God chooses the foolish to confound the why. Why would God use somebody like Larry Huck? Because when God used somebody like me and like you, if we give him all the praise and all the glory, everybody's going to know it's God and not man. Somebody say amen. So he said, you've got some harvest left. Bring it to me. And remember, it's by the grace of God. The second thing that happened in the plagues is that all the cattle... And all the animals were wiped out. All except in the city of Goshen. Now listen to me. The cattle and the animals were their livelihood. Without, without the, it was their business. It was their job. And everybody else, everybody, their livelihood was wiped out except the children of God. I was reading an article and they said that the economy is just crashing everywhere except Dallas. They said it's almost like there's a there's a covering protecting Dallas. Somebody shout Goshen. Listen what I'm telling you. We need to realize that we are under an umbrella of God's protection. Everybody, they said it's like there's a covering over Dallas. Everybody's going down. Everybody's everybody's losing their jobs and their businesses. And we're having 15,000 people a month move here. Because while everybody else's cattle are dying, our businesses, our jobs are taking off. And we need not take that for granted. I believe every business in Dallas ought to send us a tithe. 
Because we're preaching prosperity. We're preaching the Jewish roots. We're preaching the first fruits. And so when they brought a barley offering, it was because barley was fed to the animals. And God was saying, you know what? I've got only kept, I've not only delivered you by grace. I've not only spared your animals, but I've kept the barley going so you can feed that animal. That cattle, that horse is your job. It's your business. It's your invention. It may happen in all of Egypt, but it ain't happening in Goshen. Touch your neighbor and say, don't take this for granted. Listen, we may be in United States, but we're not of United States. We may be in this world, but we are not of this world. We may be in this economy, but we are not of this economy. Now watch this. Hear, hear what it's saying. He said, if you return unto me, if you bring that Oban Kom, uh, uh, Korban Omer, that, that, that sheath of barley, that first fruits, if you'll come back to me, I'll come back to you. How do we return? In your tithes and in your offerings. And I will open the windows of heaven and I will pour you out such a blessing. And if you don't, you're cursed with a curse. What does this mean? All the world, all of America is under a system, financial curse system. But when you and I are involved with our tithes, but we're also involved with that first fruits, we are not in this curse system. Now, I'm going to say this. Listen to what I'm saying here right now. Listen to what I'm saying. There are a lot of churches teaching prosperity. There's a lot of churches teaching tithing. But that's only a half truth. We've got to come back to the offerings of old. And when we come back to the tithe and the understanding of the first fruit that happens in two or three weeks, then God said, then if we're only tithing, we got one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the curse system. But when we tithe and bring that first fruit, we're all the way out of the curse system and the world, America may be going through depression, but we're not going to go through it. Are you hearing what I'm telling you by the word of God? Say, well, pastor, what if gasoline goes up to $4 an hour? God will prosper us. Well, what if, what if, what if bread goes up to a, a, a loaf of bread costs a, a, a bag of gold? God, we're not in. Listen, when, you, when we under, that's why it's so important what I'm teaching. People don't understand. This is, this is an end-time prophecy that God said, I will bring you back to the ways of old. I'll return unto you. Who return? Jehovah Jireh, our provider, the Lord who opens prison doors, the God who opens blind eyes, the God who delivers the diseases, the God who brings nine years back child support. Oh, somebody ought to shout amen. Is anybody getting this? We can't take this for for granted. This is by the grace of God. Now, I told you at the beginning of this, there are four things that happens. One is that that we, we are always, the worst thing we can do is take God for granted. We've got to understand, people always pray when they're in trouble. 
I read on Friday night in Deuteronomy, God said, I've got a covenant to put power in your hands to gain wealth. Then he said, but don't you forget it's me who did it. Everybody's calling on God when we're hurting. But we need to keep calling on God when it's good measure, pressed down, shaking together, overflowing. Amen? The second thing is, is that God was going to bless our job. He's going to give grace, unmerited, undeserved. Why Dallas? I, I believe a thousand percent because God called me to Dallas to bring us back to our Jewish roots. And because of that, uh, that God is giving favor over this city. Say, do you really mean that? Tell them wherever you go. There, there, there's not many people. They're starting to preach it now, but there's not many. I did, I did TBN, TBN audience, uh, live audience Thursday. I said, how many places Jesus shed his blood? And almost the whole place went Calvary. I've been teaching this for 10 years. Jesus didn't shed his blood one time. He shed his blood what? The world doesn't know that. You know that. And because you know that, and we're here, we're bringing an anointing. Listen. If you're a child of God, that boss needs to understand wherever you put the sole of your feet, wherever you go, Jehovah Jireh, your boss ought to give you a raise just for being a child of God. Amen? Now, I didn't know where God was going to take us on this, but there are two more things, and I'm going to teach it next Sunday. Two more things. Number one, the the third thing is the favor of God. Favor of God. Now you need to get ready because the Bible says when they left Egypt, they had favor with all the people. Now you need need to be here because you got to understand because of these Hebrews... The lice have come, the frogs have come, the rivers turned into blood, and when they're getting ready to leave, they walked out with the favor of all the money. Supernatural favor. But watch this. I'm going to teach, teach this next week. Favor of God. Somebody's going to live in favor. But I was studying, studying, and studying, and I'd go upstairs. I'd come back, go to my office, come back, and Tis says, you got, I said, I'm missing something. I said, there's something I'm not seeing. I already got the, 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 the grace. I already got the favor. I've already got the cattle. God's already shown me. I said, I'm missing something. I am missing something. And man, when God showed this to me last night, I said, Lord. There is no end to the revealing of your mysteries. Oh, wait till you see what we got for next week. Amen. I want you to give the Lord a great big clap offering and tell him you love him. Amen.